I V M. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 124 of Shunya One. I have another very special guest with us today. Someone I've been trying to coordinate with for a while, especially because in the pre-pandemic days, we used to work out of our studio. We used to work us record out of Bombay. And it was really rare that we had someone coming in from out of town and uh, sort of record with us while in the midst of all their uh, busy business meetings and schedules. But we have Ashwini Ashokan here today with us. Welcome to the show, Ashwini. Thank you so much for being here and for doing this. How are you? I'm doing great, Shila. How are you? I'm doing great as well. And of course, my co-host Amit. How's it going, Amit? I'm good. All good. Looking nice forward to this. Very excited. Yeah, very excited to hear about all the AI stuff that you guys are working on. Yeah. And of course, I mean, the, what I was saying earlier, Ashwini, we've been trying to, I think, I, at least I've asked you if you could be a guest on the podcast at least, what, two years ago uh, when the world was open, but it was always either me flying somewhere or you flying off to the US, all over the world from uh, from Chennai and very rarely visiting uh, just few hours of overlap in Bombay. Correct. Do you miss those days and to where, where you are now? Well, it's a bit of both. I must say, I feel like um, the last year, it's probably the first year in about easily 15 years that I did not travel and yeah. it's probably the longest, I think three months into staying at home, definitely the longest in 15 years <laughs> that I'd stay put in the same place. And I must say, you know, contrary to a lot of folks who just can't wait to get back out there, I've absolutely mm -hmm. enjoyed it. I've absolutely enjoyed just staying at home and, you know, spending time with the family and just kind of, in a way, I think the company building as well, there was a lot of kind of retreating, thinking about strategy, really kind of, you know, doubling down on the things that worked. And I almost felt like in so many ways, I was able to focus and I mm -hmm. didn't feel like I was being pulled in like a hundred different directions, right? I It, it was the year I focused. I can tell you that much wow. so you know uh, on one hand I definitely miss traveling I miss traveling like crazy but um, I think the other side of it was pleasantly surprising lovely in fact so before we get into obviously a lot more of the product and the tech side of things I want to also share with everyone here a little bit of the interesting journey you've had right I mean you guys moved back from the U.S. You started this company. What was your life like before that? And what sort of prompted you to start this startup journey way back in 2013, I believe? Yeah, you know, unlike all of you kids <laughs> these days, Shila, <laughs> if I may. Sure, sure. Um, I'll take know. that. When I get that, I take it. <laughs> you should, you should. I think you can get away with it. No, I was, I used to work at Intel in the Bay Area, in Portland. Um, I think I was with the company for almost 10 years. Um, lots of flying, lots of international travel. I spent, and, and I think, you know, I most of you have heard the story, but I, I credit most of my entrepreneurial ambitions to my life at Intel and the people that I'd surrounded myself with in those days. You know, and I did a variety of things from like cultural anthropology, working with cultural anthropologists to product designers to, you know, business BD folks, right? Uh, to salespeople, to people that were building, you know, silicon on a chip. And, and that was, you know, the wonderful kind of career experience of mine really was about going across a variety of different functions at Intel, right? And so it was a very exciting life back then, but with a lot of a safety net, right? Getting a few million dollars in budget every quarter to do whatever projects you wanted. That was nice. the life. 
life. <laughs> that was the life. Um, and it was really exciting. But of course, you know, I had my first child when I was, what, 27, 28. Went back after a six-week maternity leave to a pretty massive promotion. And, you know, life was very, very kind of, it was the career itself was really exciting, right? But, and Anand was in school at that point. Anand was in school for a very, very, very long time. He's a PhD in neuroscience, went on to do his postdoc at Stanford. We were pretty sure his career was going to be academic for the most part. And um, something really snapped. And we, you know, the two of us have, have been talking about our respective areas for a very long time. Um, to date, I think that we've been together for almost 21, 22 years. And, you know, we'd, we'd always spoken about launching a company at some point in the future. I was working in the space of AI and product design and, you know, people at the intersection of that. He was working at the intersection of biology engineering and hardware, right? So, and, you know, the two of us would talk about, okay, what would it look like if we ever built a company? And those conversations had been going on for years, right? I think somewhere around 2012, and again, this is a story that's been told many times. I was at, we were vacationing at my brother's. My brother's a, was a professor as well. Completely academic family, guys. So like, <laughs> this just the only odd one out, me in my family. <laughs> that's the same with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with Bengali academics and yes, yeah, yes, please. <laughs> um, you know, funny you mentioned Bengali because I must, I must state this that my life is pretty much filled with Bengalis and Tamils. I, I just say this for what it's worth, whether it's on my board or it's in my yeah. office or it's where, like, it's just that's that's it. I'm, my life is surrounded with uh, <laughs> bongs and taps, just the heads up. <laughs> yeah. Say that. But yeah, and we just. We were on a vacation. We came back. I think it was Jan 1st, 2013. And um, the two of us were like, yeah, let's just go home. And, uh, you know, we obviously had a, had the, the child. She was about three years, if I remember right. And the house. And we just called a friend and said, do you mind coming and just, you know, renting this place? We're going to leave. <laughs> and that's it. Wow. Like one week later, we called the movers, <laughs> put the whole house in. And we, it sold literally 80, 90% of the house on Craigslist. Uh, gave one car for safekeeping to a cousin. Literally just got on a flight and left. That was it. Wow. <laughs> it was pretty insane. But also pretty much summarizes who Aran and I are. This is broadly how we live. We make up our mind to do something and we just jump and do it. And uh, we came back. We came back to India and the um, first couple of years were really, really hard. Um, you know, my daughter did not adjust at all coming back home. Um, ended up having my second child. All of that while trying to start up. Uh, here and uh, you know it was it was quite a you know you know that they say those top three four most stressful things in in life I hit all the four in the yeah. same I think I hit all four I you really four. wanted to challenge yourself I think it's, I think it's so. like if I'm doing it might as well do it all that's together awesome. that's, exactly, that's exactly right yeah. moved across the globe had a second child, you know, you know, and, and started up the company all at the same time. And hey, you know what? You know, I don't know that I change anything, right? That's the kind of yeah. people we are. We jump in, you you do silly things, you do stupid things and you don't look back, you learn and you move on. But yeah. And and this was this was at a point where uh, again you were building a AI startup which was obviously it was already a buzzword. It was, you know, uh, the technology I would say was more than just a fad by then, but it was new in India for sure. I think AI startups were not as commonplace as, I mean, they're not still super common, but at least you you hear a lot more variations of people building products on the top of AI or using some sort of machine learning or something out the other. This back then it wasn't, it, it was, we were just sort of at the start of the e-commerce trend or, yes. or 
overall mobile products it was not so much common thing did you have like what were the challenges on the go to market side that you faced when you were building this yeah the first thing that a lot of people said once they found out that we had come back to start this uh, computer vision and a focused company people were like you're mad you left sf to come to india to start an ai company <laughs> like most people were like this is the most dumbest idea we've ever heard right um and i think even globally ai had not really taken off at that point that yeah. we were talking about a much more horizontal platform when we began our journey um it was not a vertical play at all we had you know we were really building out uh, and architecting a platform that would support a much more generalizable form of intelligence as opposed to you know vertical specific you know kind of narrowly focused ai um and i was very very naive i think uh you know 20 to be having those conversations in 2014 2015 people would like scratch their heads and go like what are you talking about right yeah. um, and we spoke to a lot of companies we were you know working with gaming companies at that point and still of course we were bootstrapped at that point um you know and just you know we had some initial version of our platform running and we were kind of talking to all kinds of companies and everybody would come back and say oh my god this is great i can see all the things i can do with it but then there's no way i'm going to go fix my infrastructure bottoms up right um to mm. basically make this work and so from a, the biggest challenge we we noticed was just this whole market to product alignment was completely missing right and and that was a huge challenge because it was very evident to us we were at least 3 to 4 years minimum if not more like 5 years ahead of where the market really was right hmm. so uh, ashwin can you describe the product a little bit at that time like what were yeah. you guys attempting at that time when you moved, when you first started i mean i i, I understand there've been evolution since but when you started what was that uh, that you couldn't get uh, sure and i think you know if one way to think about it is is developer platforms right there's been the face.coms of the world there have been so many different types of you know there was one called like.com so many developer platforms in the in the early to 2010 2015 in that time frame they all got bought out but and it became very evident we were trying to build one right that's basically what okay. we were building a developer platform for that where people could come and uh, you know use up any apis build any applications on top of it and we realized very soon that from a business model perspective that does not work this is not a long term company right um, most companies that have most of these developer platforms have come out of vertical companies right so this mm-hmm. is where i think a lot of you know roy from sequoia is example of one of those people who was clearly kindred spirit right if there was one person we found that was you know had the same wavelength and frequency and literally was like i said the bongs of the world that have made up my life <laughs> you know he showed up and you know we we ended up putting around us a fairly you know very tech competent group of people who we spent time with going okay you know this is way ahead of its time and also just putting a developer platform out there and saying anybody solve anything you want when nobody even understands what ai is is actually completely futile right and yeah. that is pretty much what cost us to go okay let's get started with the vertical first if that's what it takes and hmm. for anand you can imagine you're talking about a postdoc in neuromorphic engineering who spent much of his time building you know a defense based projects of the cat brain and modeling the cat brain and modeling and here he was sitting there across the table from me going like you want me to build ai for fashion he was like you want me to depict cats <laughs> and full sleeves he's like what are you talking about <laughs> when you told me i don't have to be in academia this is what so it's a little bit of a bait and switch that happened yeah. my end yeah. a little bit but hey you know for me it was very clear that we had to find a way to build this through the market and yeah. that means actually 
suspending some of our grand visions for a few years to wait until the market actually got there and and the realization that most horizontal platforms come out of vertical companies right, right. and so we decided to say okay fine we'll go after a vertical um in for the first few years and uh, we built out view.ai as this kind of vertically integrated stack on top of the platform that we had and uh, view.ai you can almost think about view.ai as our first customer right uh, and we right. kind of it yeah and of course there's a lot of new announcements coming in the next couple of weeks which takes us squarely back to 2014 2015 um, nice. yeah yeah we have finally managed to crack that whole generalizable approach and the platform okay. approach and uh, we are just getting ready to take this across the board to all industries so if you if you describe this transition into obviously focusing on retail i know you guys focused on it's a con- computer vision product and its core and then there's a bunch of other things i'm sure uh, but when you said retail you under- obviously understood that okay uh, commerce is uh, where the application is it was also physical retail like in store solutions as well as online since that phase transition to now where i think uh, the product is primarily online if i'm not wrong what was what all have you built like how has that stack for only retail sort of expanded and if you could tell us what the market told you which made you further sort of yeah. is it only half sleeve full sleeve obviously not what is it like if you could share a little depth about the product sure There were two things that we decided very consciously when we started that journey in 2016. Is when we officially end of 2016 is when we first launched View.ai and went to market with it. Right, so that was literally the start of our business was end of 2016. Right, um, and for us, there were kind of two things that we recognized. One, we were not a SaaS company; we were a classic AI first. SaaS company, but we were also, and it's not SaaS first; it's AI first, and that's a really important distinction for us. And the reason being. we for the first 3 years at least we were selling apis that's it what we mm. didn't have like layers we didn't have covers we didn't have you know all the front end layers tooling layers we didn't have any of that for the first 3 years right we only had apis across a variety of use cases which i'll get to in a minute and the second part of the story is we were enterprise first right where mm. have you heard an ai first enterprise first company coming out of india like you know <laughs> in, so both and both ends i mean like you know there are a couple of folks on our board who routinely say given the choice between two things almost always anand and i pick the harder one right just in terms of like given a choice like and it it's not even by default right it's not like we are but just as people we are drawn towards you know a tougher problem that which you can come and tell me i can't have basically <laughs> that's broadly it but right? that's what entrepreneurs are i guess absolutely absolutely right? right and and yeah. in some ways like everybody sat up and said don't do two things that we beg you not to do they were like don't do retail and don't do enterprise right and we were like what the hell like this is 2015 2016 i have to be able to sell to, and 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 again think about it from a tam perspective right how many yeah. companies there are in retail and it's so easy when you're selling enterprise people are like pick one geo don't scale don't take so many across the globe for us that was not how it was there was like 0.001% of the retail market that was ready to adopt ai yeah. which meant the top 1 to 3 in every geography across the globe and so we went yeah. and picked up the top 1 and 2 in latin america top 1 and 2 in europe top 1 and 2 in india top 1 and 2 in japan top 1 and 2 in the us right that that was basically our strategy mm. right which meant we didn't have to go behind the volume play we had to go behind like the best in business the large ones yeah. in business that we knew we could sell 
and that that i think that strategy really paid off for us to actually you know kind of brute force our way into the market and actually nice. for ourselves nice wow awesome i mean there's so much uh, actually just to follow up on that that i want to ask but we're going to actually take a quick break and come back and talk to ashwini a little bit more All right. Well, so this, I mean, you told us about the story of, you know, how you went into obviously deep into retail and again, without even, to be honest, uh, I'm sure the, the kind of tech you guys have built is obviously very focused around a bunch of components you just shared, right? Computer vision, the ability to automate, to personalize in depth. There's so much tech here, uh, which you're talking about, you've built over the years. Tell us a little bit about how obviously not easy it was i mean given the kind of challenges you guys like to pick up like what did you guys have to relearn about this industry or yeah. uh, that you had to learn new to sort of uh, go into and and i then i also want to ask about the actual i know the flying around the world selling how did you convince these people of let's say the big retailers of the world that this works and this can work So, so if I could piggyback on Shilajit's question a little bit, right? Uh, also, you mentioned very early on that a lot of the companies we were trying to sell to didn't have the infrastructure to support the kind of yeah. uh, things they the they data you needed, need, yeah, that the, that you would need, right? So, could could you expand on that as well? I think it kind of ties in deeply to this question. Sure, sure. I think of it this way. Think of it as companies were just beginning to become cloud native. Okay. Mm. already they were like which uh, you know are you guys on aws should we be moving everything on because you're talking about retail going through that transformation from being offline heavy to online heavy right, right. that literally was happening at the same time that we were actually you know launching rai stuff so easily we were about a generation ahead of where these companies were right mm-hmm. and while on the on, on the other hand you could say you know gaming a lot of the other guys had already arrived you know in a way and they were already the question of ai is one around okay can i get away again that whole vitamin versus you know pain pill yeah right? pain and vitamin yes exactly exactly and i would argue ai was a nice to have right mm-hmm. at that point people were not because people hadn't one people didn't know what it was what it could do for them what are the range of ways in which they could either save cost or you know grow their business with it so there was a lot of actually proving to someone that hey and and remember if you are entering with ai you're dislodging something else right if something has to come in something has to go right mm-hmm. so the question was always okay if this has to go and i have to entirely rethink my stack in a way to accommodate you know ai into it right or my workflows because your workflows change the minute mm-hmm. ai intercepts your workflow your workflow is completely different right, right. So the question then becomes do i want to disrupt what i have as a company and what is yeah. the roi am i going i'm going to get by disrupting what i already have right so yeah. this is a huge issue and and in terms of you know to amit's question to in terms of why somebody would adopt something like this and not the answer is very similar the customer on the other side was either ready to disrupt dislodge their existing stuff to give it a shot right because and and nobody knew for sure what this would do right so so think about it from a for us from a demand gen perspective from a from a outreach perspective a lists perspective highly highly curated abm style approach to the market right and of course today i speak about this as though it was all planned it was absolutely not planned right we're talking about 2016 and you're talking about two people that have no background in anything sales no background in anything you know business development and 
we were winging it. We just now know, like, you know, two years ago, once we set up these teams to do this stuff, we were like, oh, what we were doing was called ABM. I see, right? Like, it, it just comes naturally to you and you've done a bunch of things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it seemed logical, you know? I can so relate to that. I can so relate to that. I mean, the whole marketing terminologies that you, you use when you try to sell online. Yeah, ABM. Yeah. SQLs and MQLs and yeah, yeah. God knows what else. And, and you All just the applied logic to the situation and you went about it and two years later you found that that logic had labels to it. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and that was it. So we had to go and find the guys that were very, very on the bleeding edge of that. Right. And and we had to find the number one and the number two. And to your question, how did you actually go? A lot of people still ask me this, right? Like, how did you guys, you're sitting in Chennai, you're sitting like, how did you go get through I would say, you know, there's a, I always say this, there is this summer saying, which is, you know, that a calf is blind to fear, right? And I would argue that was kind of us, like we didn't know any better. So we just picked up the phone and called people and we emailed them and we, you know, spoke to people who, we met people at events and then like annoyed the hell out of them until they gave us introduction to someone and then that someone introduced you to someone. So again, very brute force, right? right? Early stage, super brute force. We just find connections into people, look them up on LinkedIn, call them, get introductions to them, find a seat at the table and, you know, you get one chance, right? With every one of these guys, you get one chance to blow them off. And this was Anand and I, like literally traveling around the world, like waking up in New York or in SF or in, you know, some other part of, Brazil or wherever it was we just had to go and we'd have one shot and you just go in and you have to make sure that when you leave that meeting those guys are going to call you back right and yeah so in some ways that was our go-to-market strategy is we knew who our market was in the early days and we just had to crack it right and we had to prove value and so I would say you know our story of AI was so much about the story of value uh, to Amit's question on how did you guys really, what was that resistance? So we basically did a little bit of a bait and switch there and said, okay, forget the AI. Just look at the value, right? Like any technology you buy, let's try to deliver value. And coming to Shila's question on the difficulties of building the tech and the platform and stuff. I think the biggest tension for us in the first, say, three to four years was that tension between, you know, imagine having a company filled with people who obviously have the IQ of like the top 50 people in the world or something like that. And then you have me on the other side of that, right? To somebody who wants to build a business, who's sitting up, you know, with a bunch of academics who are like, literally, I'm not joking when I say Kota and Anand are probably one or two of 50 people in the world. And then they have built teams that obviously that, are, that they, they want to mirror people like them and they've kind of put together a group. And for me, it was more about, that's great. It's amazing. That, that you guys can do all that stuff, but your technology doesn't, you know, it has to deliver something for me, right? Like at the end of the That's day, to sell. <laughs> you, you, we got to figure out how to sell this. And so I, I would say that in the earliest days, our biggest struggles were the tension between those two things, right? The tension between AI wanting to be free, right? Free of the problems. And my whole job was saying, if you wanted AI to be free, you would have stayed in academia. There's a reason you didn't stay in academia, right? Like you were you, you were really bummed. And I know a lot of these guys are really bummed by the fact that they were all toy problems, right? Like at one point... Yeah, Anand, there's no outcomes, yeah. Yeah, or, or it's military, right? Or your yeah. eventually leads to war somewhere, right? And there were lots of reasons why they left. And, and I think for us, it was about saying, no, AI is only as good as the problem it solves. Of course. Imagine telling someone who, in a way, would I would characterize Anand and Costa as two of my co-founders as people that didn't build for people, 
they built because their brains allowed them to think about the future of humanity, the future of, you know, pushing the future of everything from physics to everything associated with it, right? So, and for me, it was like, that's great, but here's what the company needs to do. And hmm. sure, we can build a more generalizable form and a, of, of, of this AI that applies to anything, right? But in the early days, it's about data. We're going to have to make our systems work in the context of a certain kind of data. And within three to four years, if we have been, if we have made it work for enough of, of, you know, in terms of volumes of these data sets, if we've seen enough, we will be able to crack more generalizable categories. Like we can generalize the mm. use cases to other categories as well. And, you know, I spent most of my Q1 in 2021 doing a told you so dance because, uh, <laughs> because, <laughs> because we're just getting ready to launch that platform now. And, you know, nice. but so, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And and what is that next phase? I mean, you you've done three uh, four years of you know going deep into retail. You work with a ton of these amazing brands who obviously you've delivered a lot of value to in through your various products. That's I'm sure given that you had a vertical focus. The little bit I know about people who you when you vertical focus your products, they only ask for more. So your retail guys are probably saying, oh, now you've done this, do this more for us, do more down this line. So how are you going to balance? You know, doing yeah. more for one vertical versus this whole general store digitalization yeah. sort of platform. Or have yeah. you thought about that? Yeah, we have. We, we talk about that all the time, right? And I think the question is, this is where the, the distinction starts to play out between engineering and AI, right? We're now mm-hmm. at a point where the platform is mature enough where I can build many more applications on top of it. No problem. So if I had to continue to grow and we are, we're, we're doubling down on retail in many ways, right? If we're at that point, I would say where engineering can now use up, we, our developer platform is almost mm-hmm. ready, which means mm-hmm. our developers can build whatever they want for any vertical they want, right? Nice. So, so that's kind of where we are headed. And the other part of this is us now sitting up and saying, okay, this platform can now go into education, entertainment, and just about everything else. And so we're at that point where that distinction of, you know, the AI folks continuing to make our platform robust, right, is, is that's where the focus is. And then our engineering teams are really about making the product more specific to, um, you know, the industries that we're serving. And, and does this now involve like... Uh- a different go-to-market, obviously, since, uh, in fact, all, as of, like you said, whole of last year, you obviously weren't flying around the, all over the world. Uh, was it, did it change your go-to-market in any ways? Like, are you guys more SaaS and digital go-to-market focused versus how you used to be? Um, not really. I think, uh, I, I don't think our segments have changed at all. I think what, what has really changed is, Two hundred fifty thousand is the new hundred thousand. Hundred thousand uh-huh. is the new two hundred thousand, right? So clearly, right. money is very bigger different. deals. Money is no the other way around. I would say, right? We are willing to do smaller deals today because there are more brands that are coming up everywhere, and and uh, we, uh-huh. we've now proven the whole land and expand strategy. We know how to get in and then sell more and more and more, right? And work to deliver value across the value chain that part of it we've made so now our focus has been on okay let's 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 really try to increase in terms of number of logos number of companies that we're serving up and that's really been our focus in the last year and so it's really funny that um, that in the remote world in so many ways we've ended up having the best four quarters in the history of the company right and this is right after retail was not covid was not nice to us at all like covid was horrible for retail right entire yeah. companies just yeah overnight and went bankrupt so it was not easy but coming out of that 
we said, okay, let's have a bit of a strategy change. We don't need only like 20 or 30 deals or whatever. We can actually work with companies across the globe. Let's kind of open it up because that whole, if you know, the pyramid, tip of the pyramid, that 0.001% is now more like 0.1% or 1%, right? Mm-hmm. And that is what COVID has done to people are sitting up and going, if I don't, if that transformation doesn't happen for me today chances are I'm going to die as a company, right? Yeah. So have a larger market there today in retail. Yeah, which opened up. Yeah. Which opened up for us. So in a way, I think that is the strategy change that really happened is just that the market kind of shifted a little bit, um, allowing us to have a bit of a volume play. I have another question around your, you know, the kind of market you're, you compete in as well. Because, you know, when you guys started AI, like you said, it was, you know, it was very few people could even leverage it. But it was also a technology and it still is a technology which a lot of the larger sort of behemoths of the tech space focus a lot on, right? I mean, if every ad you see about, let's say the Oracles, Adobe's or IBM's of the world, they all have been saying AI for the last 10 years. And it's usually that these large retailers or the tip of the pyramid customers usually are already sort of you know, uh, in uh, tied up with one of these various large companies who they de- devote their R&D or whatever exploratory yeah. budgets to. How was it? How is it competing with these folks? Or yeah. do you exactly. sort of end up head to head with these sort of larger group technology behemoths? See, again, I think for us, it's a question of segment, even within retail. There's an entire segment of online first guys that don't mm-hmm. buy that stuff. Let's be very clear, right? They do not buy the Adobe's and the IBM's of the world. They buy, because again, these are companies that have come up in the same age. This is where that whole B2B community starts to make make a distinct difference, right? Mm -hmm. You know the difference between going and buying an IBM and the likes and buying that, you know, software from, let's say, you know, startups, right? This is this is where right. that whole and and I think that segment is a very important segment. It's a very distinct important segment where people are tech savvy. Um, the downside of this is a lot of these companies also want to build it by themselves. That's the other part of it. Yeah. Right? Because they're because they are cut from the same cloth as us, you know, that that happens. But for us to date, what we have going for us is with typically at least four years ahead of the curve of most of these companies wanting to do it themselves in-house, right? So we are we we basically get in there and say yeah and you know we have a lot of value to show and within a period of those four years we are already showing all those use cases we're across the the entire company in a way that you know that we become tied Mm. into the fabric of how they work right so that's one segment now if you talk about the old world brick and mortar retail guys right like your macy's and your bloomingdale's of the world um yeah they still buy a lot of legacy tech <laughs> for a lack of a better way to put it and um, for us it's about knowing what who in those segments work for us and who in those segments don't right so I would say three three and a half four years into this we know we, we're very clear about who we don't want to work with we're very clear about that like uh, until they until they realize the value of yeah of and until is. they're able to they're able to get there right because when you're looking at a high growth trajectory you can't spend 9 to 12 months on a cycle to convince someone not to buy IBM right that's not the world you can yeah. you can live in and so for us like it's it's about relentlessly qualifying the market 
to figure out who we should be working that said there are some brilliant brands out there really old world brands out there like i'm talking luxury right the you'd be surprised at what's happening with the gucci's and the armanis and the louis vuittons of the world to be honest with you right there there's a lot of energy so that's a whole other segment which is brands right these are not multi brand retailers these are brands trying to completely transform themselves and uh, you know we find that Yes, these guys also buy your IBMs and your Salesforce and your Oracles of the world, but then there are distinct, you know, departments that don't that don't have anything to do with that stuff. And so it's a question of figuring out how to add value and make their lives easy. That's it. At the end of the day, that's that's really what we're optimizing for, right? And it's word of mouth is a is an unbelievably powerful tool, right? Like you try to add incredible value to one part, one team somewhere, they're picking up the phone and talking to someone else, right? And yeah. and there's nothing that can replace that. Yeah. Very nice. I mean, and so I mean, your this year is obviously going to be about now launching your, you know, the wider platform. We'll obviously look forward to seeing all the cool stuff that your team builds out, and of course, others build out on top of it. But what is what do you want to do? Like a shout out to folks who are listening to this, other entrepreneurs, other platform, uh, other developers, or are you guys hiring? Are you guys? What do you want to like sign off on for people who have just listened to the show? You know. Yes, I mean, very soon we're going to come and talk to all of these guys about how AI can, you know, be an like an absolutely important part of your company, right? Regardless of whether you're B two B or B two C, you know, as a company, our mission is to make the globe, like people across the globe, just everybody, an AI native, right? Uh, completely transform companies into becoming AI native, right? And that is our mission as as a, as a company. That is our mission. This 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 goal to make everybody AI native is our mission um, at at MSD. And I would say, in terms of a shout out, you know, the only thing that 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 I want to say is every step of the way. You know, I can tell you, and and you know, I've spent years talking about it in Twitter. I don't really talk about that stuff anymore. But there are barriers. That's it. If there's anything in your journey as a founder, you know, there are barriers. That's it. <laughs> That's it. It's a story of people telling you no. and it's a story of just the barrier after barrier after barrier in terms of that progress right and i think at the end of the day if you can deliver something that someone on the other side it's adding value to someone on the other side it's it really just boils down to a question of staying power that's it it's all about the power to stay if you can stay and continue adding value to one new customer every 2 3 months right it'll compound they won't leave you and 4 years later 5 years later 10 years later you're still going to be around right so so it's just a question of stamina yes. and the willingness to stay so dig your heels in is all i want to say <laughs> so uh, also i'll just quickly uh, remind everybody that uh, please follow us subscribe to us review us rate us wherever you're listening uh, that stuff matters and uh, also the show is available on youtube uh, starting last few weeks you can go and uh, get it from the ivm podcast youtube channel and ashwini what what how do people reach you do you want to give like a twitter handle or uh, linkedin or do you want to just uh, share that with yeah, everyone here? i am on linkedin i i rarely check my linkedin but uh, yeah i am on linkedin i'm also on twitter uh, my handle is at lady ashborn so you can reach me there as well thank huh? you so much this was a fascinating and finally long <laughs> conversation that we had pending i'm yeah. so glad we could do this and uh, at a time when the year is going to be obviously very interesting for you guys we're looking forward to what uh, the team at matric then shows us in 2021 and uh, yeah hope we uh, both get to fly somewhere this year i, I know. think that's the I know. that's the I wish know. i would leave with let's hope to catch up <laughs> let's hope to catch up this year yes 
All right. Hey guys, thank you awesome. so much for having me over here.